and I still don't ever call him. Why would I call him? Bitch, you know I'm ballin'. Spend that money, make it bounce back like Spalding. Got a new nigga, and he say he from New Orleans. If he ain't talking money, nigga, why the fuck you talkin'? All my bitches bossy, all my diamonds flossy. Rap gets a roger, man, you know I'm saucy. I got a white dude in Boston, he whip a Audi. Bitch, I'm taking calls. No small talk. 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 Bitch, I'm taking calls. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode eight of Two Black Nerds. Nerd. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button, y'all, and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. We would appreciate it. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate the love, y'all. Thank you so much. We got a lot to get to today, man. Um, it's been a bit of a light news week, but we definitely got some some really hard-hitting topics, I would say, uh, as it relates to, to, to movies and music. Mm-hmm. So today, we'll be talking about the highly anticipated, mm. critically acclaimed movie from Martin Scorsese, The Irishman. Yeah. Long-awaited film that we've uh, we've been anticipating for quite some time now. We'll also be talking about... Disney's latest movie, Frozen 2. And boy, that's going to be an interesting conversation there. (laughs) I can't wait to get to that. And then lastly, we're going to be covering the Grammy nominations that dropped last week from the Recording Academy. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting lineup this year, uh, to say the least. To say the least. There's a lot of... uh, interesting and uh unique sort of tidbits that, that that come that come out of that nomination pool so we definitely will definitely be diving into that uh later this episode but let's just kick it off right from the top man yep. the irishman yeah directed by martin scorsese the legendary martin scorsese hey my friend i got that kid i was talking to you about here i'm gonna put him on the phone let you talk to him okay hello is that frank yes Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. Our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. I heard you paint houses. This movie has been long gestating for a long time now it's yeah. been it's been a project that's been in the works i think for no less than 14 or 15 years mm-hmm. um initially i think talks were had in around 2006 2007 um they really tried to get the movie off the ground in 2010 but it didn't work out and then uh, you know fast forward here we are at the end of the decade that's nonetheless. That's um, a very long time <laughs> getting this movie made and getting it out there it's uh, it's been i think a passion project for robert de niro and martin scorsese mm-hmm who have been instrumental in putting this together, but it's finally out. It premiered back in September at the New York Film Festival here. And since then, it's gotten uh, quite quite the critical acclaim, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Might be an understatement, actually. It's received universal acclaim from not only critics Mm -hmm. um, and people who have seen it early, but also just from people in the industry 
from 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 notable filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. Edgar Wright, Ava DuVernay, and Leonardo DiCaprio all had nothing but positive say- things to say about this movie. Yeah. So I think um, it, it is a understatement to say that we were excited about it to check it out finally, and we checked it out here in New York at the Belasco Theater in Times Square, which is actually different because no major movie theater is playing this movie right now, man. Like, right. what's 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 up with that? Why are we not seeing this in in an AMC theater or a Regal theater? Like, what's going on with I that? I believe AMC simply would not accept The Irishman. <laughs> like, yeah, no, AMC it's not was like, work. this this ain't it. I think yeah. I think AMC looked at this movie and they said this is three and a half hours, and I think they they measured how much time that took in their theater right yeah. versus like playing something that's two hours and maybe they measured you know the costs um of that versus how many people they think would actually go see the film and they decided it wasn't for them to keep in their theaters just wasn't a worthy investment it seems exactly. like right mm-hmm. i mean i think we should also take it to the account the effects so this this movie stars robert de niro al pacino and joe pesci which Wow. I think everybody would <laughs> wow. consider them three of the greatest actors of all time to have ever lived, yeah, right? Easy. However, you know, none of those three gentlemen are in the prime of their careers, True. so to say, right? right? Their primes happened in the 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. even, you know, maybe the 90s for for, you know, um, right. some of them. And so maybe even from like the business side, maybe these major theater chains looked at the movie and they said like, "Yes, you are legendary filmmaker. We know you have quality." Mm-hmm. Um you know, taste and you'll make an, an excellent film. However, are people really still still paying to see Robert De Niro on screen? Are people paying mm. money to see Al Pacino? Are people going to pay money to see Joe Pesci, who technically is retired, right? Yeah. He retired in like 99 and yeah. hasn't been in really a major movie since then, 20 years, right? Crazy. So maybe they looked at just even, you know, who's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think about a movie like Wolf of Wall Street, also directed by Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not three and a half hours. It's three hours, which I, I do think is a much easier sell. It's easier, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. because even that 30 minutes makes all the difference for a movie theater. But in the movie, you had, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and, and Jonah, Jonah Hill, Hill and Margot yeah, Robbie. Robbie. You had, like, younger fresher, talent, yeah. fresher faces. So right. I think it was a much easier sell, not only because it was shorter, but because those names at the time, and still even now, are some of the most recognizable names in Hollywood. True. Nonetheless, with all of that said, this movie is not playing in your you know major movie theater, your AMC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, it will be streaming this Wednesday, November 27th on Netflix. It will be available to anybody who has Netflix or who has a password to Netflix to watch the movie. <laughs> and outside of that, if you do want to check it out on, on a big screen, it's mostly playing in independent theaters, smaller theaters in local places. So yeah. if you have like a, a small sort of boutique independent theater, they might be playing and you can go check it out on the big screen, screen if you choose to. But we got all that out the way. Let's get to the movie, man. Yeah. So like I mentioned, universal acclaim so far, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Everybody has loved this film. Some have even called it Scorsese's greatest achievement thus far. That is saying a lot. Saying a whole lot. Martin Scorsese. This man, the legend. His track record is damn near flawless. It, no, really though. It actually might be flawless. Like you, you can't think of a bad Martin Scorsese movie. He's no, only man. made good to great, yeah. right? This is the man who's made Taxi Driver Mm -hmm. and Raging Bull and The King of Comedy and Goodfellas and Casino and The Departed Departed, and The Wolf of Wall Street and Mean Street. The list goes on and on and on and on, right? Right. And so 
to say that this may be his greatest achievement is no small statement at all, right? Mm-hmm. So going into this movie, we saw it all 209 minutes of it. Yeah, we did. What are your thoughts on The Irishman? Just the the first thing I have to acknowledge that we've already acknowledged is this crazy, insane cast. It is just absolutely it's crazy. <laughs> To see specifically the three people that we talked about before, right? Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. Man. In a movie together. Yeah. Yeah. What? Which has never happened with all three of them in one movie together, I don't oh, believe. Man. And Al Pacino has never been in a Martin Scorsese movie, which is even crazier how to think that, about. How was that even? How was that even? How, you, how did that happen? Like, we know they know each other. <laughs> we know that they're close and, like, good friends, but... You it took know, all this time took, for them to work together? I mean, they've both it's, been present for the better part of, like, four decades in oh. Hollywood, and they've never made a and movie they together. they made a movie. Right? Just Whereas, so like, weird. De Niro, they've made, like, seven or eight movies together. Yeah. They're, like, probably known as, like, the best director-actor combination in Hollywood, right? Like, yeah. everybody knows of their relationship. And even Joe mm-hmm. Pesci has been in three of his movies, at yeah. least, that I can think of, Raging Bull, Casino, and Goodfellas. Goodfellas. So mm-hmm. it's, definitely, um, it's definitely an interesting thing to sort of point out and notice that how Pacino has yet to be in the movie but like you mentioned man these three like gods and acting gods are it's, are in this movie together it's it's phenomenal that they achieved it yeah man again that's just off off rip that's just what we got to talk about they all did different great things in this film for me yeah. um they all had different I guess I would say takeaways for me in terms of what was good about them, or what I took away from their characters, right? Like, they, they all moved, pushed the envelope for this movie in different ways, which I guess is, my question to you is, what, who's the standout actor to you in this, in this film? Wow. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, like, that's, that's, that's crazy. Like, all three have won Academy Awards. Right. Um, De Niro has won multiple Academy Awards, mm-hmm. and I think even Pacino. Like, it's that's so tough. And like going into it, I was thinking about that. Like, who's gonna really stand out to me? Like, yeah. out of these three, these are three of my favorite actors too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have to say that going into it, I initially thought just because of what we heard, I was like Al Pacino, right? Yeah. Like everybody was talking about his performance as Jimmy Hoffa, which. Of course, Killed is it. outstanding. I think what he brought to the movie, he's really the core mm-hmm. kind of of the movie and the purpose of like why we're here. Yeah. And what he brings every time he's in a scene with the rest of the cast is just incredible. And to see Al Pacino full of vigor and excitement and, you know, he's really larger than life a lot of the times. Yeah. He's bringing a lot of that more youthful energy that we that we kind of know him for. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, Al Pacino has, you know, um, he's in his 70s, I believe, yeah. and, you know, obviously he's a veteran actor at this point, but to see him sort of tap into that youthful side of, like, his acting mm-hmm. was incredible. However, with all of that said, walking out of it knowing that he still did a phenomenal job and a standout performance, I will say that Joe Pesci... Yeah. I really appreciate it just because of how different it was from his previous characters in De Niro movies. Yep. Because we've known him in Goodfellas or Casino or Raging Bull. Like, Mm -hmm. he's been the hothead, right? Mm -hmm. He's been the really, like, the hothead, loose cannon. You don't know what he's going to do. Right. He's scary just because of how angry he can get. He might murder somebody at at, at, at any given moment. Almost uncontrollable in a sense, right? Yeah. However, here is a much more low key reserved um just really laid back personality yeah however 
he's still scary. He's still he, the boss. He's still the boss, <laughs> he's right? Still like the boss. he's still in charge of everything. He still brings a really intimidating presence mm-hmm. because of just how soft spoken it is he yeah. is, right? And just mm-hmm. because of how little he says sometimes. Right. And it's just it was I, I noticed in certain frames of the movie, just the way that he would look at a certain character, mm-hmm. I was just like, Ooh, like I don't know how I feel about that look. I can't read it all the time, right? Yeah. I think just like those those subtleties that he brought um, to the role and those nuances really impressed me. On top of the fact, this man has not really been in a major motion picture in like 20 years. Very, very long And time. to come back into this and do such an incredible job, it was great, man. I loved no, it. I agree with that wholeheartedly, actually. Um, I was thinking of, also thinking of Joe Pesci, you know, in this film, how he... It just felt so different. I don't, I don't know if because I hadn't seen him in a long time or for some, you know, Christmas is coming up. So for some reason, I kept thinking about Home Alone oh, every man. time I looked at him. The but, wet bandits. <laughs> but that's what I don't. I just that that contrast is in my head for some reason. The Home Alone Joe Pesci versus this Joe Pesci, mm-hmm. and it's just he just he really is a veteran, dude. He yeah. really, even it didn't matter how long he took off. You know what I mean from the 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 movie um, scene. But he just he just really a did masterclass of, yeah, of acting, right? Exactly. He really did come through. And I, I will have to say Al Pacino came through to me too. It was also just something different. I I just found myself comparing and contrasting different movies in my head, right? Yeah. Like it was almost impossible not for me to uh compare and contrast Scarface when I was watching this movie. I was like, This these people are crazy. These actors are really wild. hundred percent. And yeah. I mean that's a you know, that's a interesting point to, to mention because I think one of the things that people have come out of this movie with that was a bit unexpected, the Irishman, um, for Scorsese and then also for the cast, De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci, mm-hmm. obviously it's its own story. It's based off of, of a book right. um, called I Heard You Paint Houses that mm-hmm. came out in 2004. Um, it's its own story, but in a sense, the way that everything... Uh, unfolds with the film yeah. it's almost a commentary on their own careers in a sense in mm. Hollywood I, I think about Scorsese in particular he, he he gained a lot of notoriety for how many gangster mob movies he was making right, right? Mm-hmm. and just like how violent they would be how sometimes realistic that they, w- they would get and how influential they ended up becoming right yeah. um, however this movie takes a much different approach it's definitely a, a, a mob movie in the traditional sense of you get the things that you would expect out of the movie however mm-hmm. at a certain point it takes a really deep introspective look within itself um, within the characters and then yeah. just within the framework of like how this story progressed in general like it really mm-hmm. it takes a look at just like the repercussions of everything that you do yeah. like if you live this lifestyle these are the consequences that you might have to deal with right mm-hmm. and i think in a sense like scorsese making this movie is somewhat of a commentary on that like not necessarily that he's dealing with consequences of like making a lot of mob movies which i mean there have been because there's been like mm-hmm. some outrage towards like representation of italian americans in oh, those yeah. movies right oh yeah but just the fact that like all of the people involved in this movie between the actors and the director they are older they are right. more seasoned they are veterans they are at the you know at the end of their life mm-hmm. rather than the beginning or the middle which this movie is very much about that yeah um, especially sure. at a certain point it hones in on on that like a whole bunch right and it's mm-hmm. almost like pervasive throughout the entire third act i would say so it was really cool to see yeah man which actually Brings me to the point, you know, you you really have to have some patience for this movie, right? Mm. And 
I'm not exactly sure how non-frequent movie watchers will hold up exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, the attention span of some people, specifically nowadays, right, we live in a tech, uh, technological world, um, is very short, you know? And so... Yeah, what do you how do you, how do you, what do you think about you know people being able to watch this movie um, specifically in their homes where there's even even more distractions you know than yeah yeah I I don't know I don't know how you sort of navigate that situation I know me personally the thought of sitting through a three and a half hour movie at home just didn't make any sense because I know during a regular length movie that I watch at home I'm easily distracted my laptop's there my phone's there just. Any and everything, like I can get up and go to the bathroom as much as I want. Mm-hmm. All of those things can become very distracting to the movie watching experience. And so, like when, once we found out that this was three and a half hours, I'm like, man, we kind of have to see this in theaters because that's yeah. the only way that I'm going to be able to ensure mm-hmm. that I will be locked in, you know, focused for the entire time. Which again, for three and a half hours, is still very difficult to do. Like yeah. there were definitely times throughout the movie where I'm like, man. Ooh, this is rough. Yeah, no like, matter how good it is or how good it was, you just got to be like, ooh, Jesus. This is, like, this is a long movie, and you feel it really in the middle, right? Because mm-hmm. you get through sort of that regular length you know, of a film. Like, you get to that hour 40, hour 45, two-hour mark, and you're like, wow, we still got like a whole hour and a half or almost two hours left. And it's a mm-hmm. lot. It's a lot to take in, you know. So I agree, you know, to your point that it might not be a suitable movie for everybody. Right. Because if you're not really – frequently watching movies or you're just not really into longer films in general Mm -hmm. then it just might not be your deal like you said even as as good as it is um because that is something to account for but you know i do think that like there are a lot of really cool themes in the movie um and that third act in particular that's i think that's the thing that was like the act right like you know it takes a while to get there but Mm -hmm. i think once you do get there everything that you saw pays off so much for sure because there's such a reflection you know like we talked about earlier like the consequences of like the things that you do Mm -hmm. there's such time spent on reflecting about that and what it means to be isolated and Mm -hmm. how how you have to you know sort of live with your decisions and Mm -hmm. what the repercussions are for your family for the people around you how that affects you man it was really it was crazy to see and kind of surreal right that's really the strength of the movie is the ability to story build that's why it's so long right like you're actually able to get invested in these characters in ways that you're not able to get invested really in a lot of characters i've ever seen just because you have so much time to build this world right around all these characters for sure for sure it's such an epic and sweeping movie like it takes place i think it spans like four or five decades right which is yeah that's wild which is crazy and like that just shows like the sheer scope and ambition of the movie and Mm -hmm. it's truly an, an an epic you know film in that sense and you know um, by the end of it, when you get to the the final pieces of the puzzle, when you get to the end of the road, it's very much a um, a commentary mm. just on like life that's lived and what that looks like at the end of life. And mm. I think that that was uh, we don't really see that that often in movies. Like you mentioned, yeah. you know, to be able to follow a character from when they, when they were young to you know all the way till the end, and you know, just that thought like one of the things I'm like afraid of is like, yeah, what if like all my friends die before me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I'm like the last one left. Like, that's a crazy thing to think about, but somebody's got to be the last one, right? It's almost inevitable. Yeah. Unless y'all are like, all right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) How can we, (laughs) at this moment, how can we line this up perfectly, right? So it's, it's, um, it's hard, man. It's kind of painful, you know, to sort of like think about that and then to Mm -hmm. see it, you know, unfold on screen, I think was, was crazy. And De Niro, I have to really point him out, 
point him out for being sort of like the anchor throughout the entire experience. Yeah. We, we spend the most time with him in the um, movie. Man, by far. From beginning to end. And yeah. like, that is... It's his movie, man. That is a, such a astounding performance, I think, to be able to carry the load of all of that while you're still sharing the screen with legends like Pacino mm-hmm. and Pesci. And even... Even um, the smaller role players Yeah, like crazy. Ray Romano, right? Ray Romano out of nowhere. Did great. Yeah, uh, it was really good. Anna Paquin. Uh, I do want to talk about slightly about Anna Paquin. Yeah, Just yeah. because... I think she was like wild important, like and yeah, hundred percent had no lines, <laughs> basically no lines. I, I think she probably she spoke probably what, twice. Said maybe? about yeah, she probably had said like five words. In yeah, the movie. and it's crazy how she was able to um, convey like her emotion and um, just how important important her presence was um, to the importance of the film. It's kind of it was it was crazy to see actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, that's it was a really she played it extremely well, like you mentioned, just in how she. Her nonverbal language yeah. spoke everything. That was really right? good. Yeah, like I, you know, deep down, I wish we could have heard more from her because mm-hmm. I, she's an incredible actress. But um, I mean, even in what she had to work with, just the fact that she was mostly there to communicate an idea, I think, um, and to communicate the idea of like how your family is affected by the actions and the things that you do. Um, I thought she did incredible. So it's a lot here to like, man. Um, I, I think I do think it's a great movie. I. I do wish it was shorter. I really do. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I think it pays off in the end, I really wish it was not three and a half hours. Like, three hours, I'm I'm good to go. Yeah, it's a long time. That extra 30 minutes does a lot. So I do wish it was a bit shorter, and I think maybe some of the supporting roles could have had a little bit more to do, like Anna Paquin or, you know, maybe even Harvey Keitel. Yeah, he it, pops up in the beginning, so. I do want to ask you, yeah. too. How do you feel like this movie... How do you feel like how the women in this movie, right, played such a background role? Yeah. Where, like, do you feel like it actually fit the bill here? Like, it was okay in this sense? Or would you, would you want more from them? Or you think it everything was just okay? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's ever really okay, right, mm-hmm. in any movie. Like, you can make you can make a justification of why that is because mm-hmm. you could say, like, oh, well, they're not the focus of the movie. Or, oh, you know, this fits in with, like, the times and, like, right. in which it took place and, like, I mean, you could say all of that, but I don't. I still don't think that that like holds that much weight as an argument. Yeah. At the end of the day, like in these people's lives, right? Like mm-hmm. even beyond what this film is meant to be in these people's real lives, I'm sure the women played huge roles in everything, right? Yeah. And we like, see that a couple times. Like, there's a couple little snippets in there. Make some illusions. Yeah. yeah, but not not enough. Right? right, not enough. Like again, you know, we talked about how the the actions of like the characters in the movie like De Niro and Pacino like we see how it affects family life right mm-hmm. there is a lot there that you can that you can do with like there's a lot there's a lot of unexplored territory I feel like so um, it's a I think it's a decision on the part of the filmmaker and I don't I don't really agree with it I think Four V Ferrari had a little bit of that too like the yeah. women in that movie were certainly background characters and I feel mm-hmm. like could have been brought to the forefront a bit more yeah. Um, it's all about what you prioritize in the movie, right? And right. obviously this movie prioritizes its main characters, um, which is fine, but, you know, also at the disservice of women. Wish there was more. Yeah, I so. agree. So, The Irishman is out. Um, it's good, y'all. It is really good. It's a really, really good movie. If you got that patience in you <laughs> and you can sit at home and maintain focus for 209 Man. minutes, um, go forth and be great. I, I will say. say that is that is the the Netflix that I think that's where it it, it might be okay, right? Because yeah. Netflix, you might 
want to watch an hour here, pause, come back to it. Watch another hour, pause, come Make back. Make your to own it. intermission, right? It's, it's possible. Yeah, I think I think if you do it that way, it's definitely possible. But you gotta have the 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 discipline. Yeah, hundred percent. So it'll be out on Netflix uh, this Wednesday, November twenty seventh, available for streaming, um, and it'll be playing in theaters, I believe, until December one um, in smaller independent theaters. If you want to check check it out, so. If you do see The Irishman, let us know what you think. Hit us up on social at Two Black Nerds. Leave us your comments, thoughts, and feedback on that. And with that said, man, we saw another movie coming from Disney, the latest, the latest Walt Disney Animation Studios flick, mm-hmm. which is a sequel, Frozen 2. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You've seen an enchanted forest? Yes. It was a magical place, but something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. Wow. Papa, that was epic. What would I do without you? You'll always have me. Has Elsa seemed weird to you? She seems like Elsa. There's this voice. Voice? What does that mean? We all know that Frozen, when it came out 2013, it was unexpected. Super unexpected. Super unexpected, but it was a smash hit. It went crazy. It was when in theaters, it, I feel like, for like six months. Oh, it definitely... I didn't see it... Like, I remember it came out in November, you know, of yeah. that of, of 2013. I didn't see it until probably mid-February of 2014. It crazy. It was still playing, right? It was in the theater so long. So long, right? So, inevitably, that movie made so much money. At the time, mm-hmm. it was like the highest grossing animated movie ever. Yeah. Um, inevitably, there's going to be a sequel, right? Yep. So, Disney has put out their sequel to Frozen. And we saw it. It's directed again by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. And the script is also written by Jennifer Lee. And it brings back the entire original cast. Idina Menzel, Kristen Bell, Jonathan Groff, and Josh Gad. Mm -hmm. Um, And adding to the cast, we also added Sterling K. Brown, which was a pleasant surprise. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. The reviews so far have been pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. 75% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not that bad, actually. It's Um, not that bad. It's gotten, you know, a lot of positive feedback. People have sort of praised the darker tone, the character exploration, things like that. Um, and audiences so far seem to love it 94%. And clearly, it's doing well. It has the largest global opening for an animated movie ever. Mm-hmm. Opens with $358 million. That's wild. Worldwide. It's actually insane. That is a <laughs> lot weekend? of money. Think about all the kids and families who haven't even touched that theater who are about to go this weekend. You're right. Thank- Thanksgiving? Right. Thanksgiving weekend. To- Look. Oh, man. The money it's making is is crazy. And then yeah. it made $130 million domestically here in the U.S. So another guaranteed billion-dollar film for Disney. That'll make six for 2019. Yep. And um, we still got Star Wars to go. Yeah, still got one more to go. Unprecedented run for sure. So with all of that out the way, without the you know with the background out of the way, we saw the movie. We'll get into Frozen 2. I guess I'll just start off by giving my thoughts about the film. In short, I'm not really a fan, just to be honest. I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Mm -hmm. And to say that is to say that with the context of I wasn't a huge fan of the first one. Like, I I like the first one. I think it's a great movie. Do I think it's overrated and overhyped? Yeah, yeah, the movie overrated. Certainly is. But at this point, five years later, six years later, who's not saying that? Like, I think Mm -hmm. everybody sort of recognizes that that movie had a lot behind it. It was, you know, a little bit overhyped, of course, and mm-hmm. it's turned into this but huge it was still, franchise. It was still good. It's still, still good. It's still good. Yeah, I think my problem with the first one is that it peaked in the middle. 
I think uh, it, it falls yeah. off after Let It Go, mm-hmm. right? Like, after that, it's like, okay, the rest is cool, but it's, it doesn't match that height. Mm-hmm. And we saw it on Broadway, and I felt the exact same, same way. Thing, yeah. I'm like, damn, Let It Go was incredible. Let It Go went crazy on Broadway. And after that, I'm like, okay, it's cool, but it doesn't really quite get back there again, right? So, mm-hmm. um, coming into this one, like, I wasn't like largely excited for it or anything like that but you know still looking forward to seeing it It was, you know it's disney trusted studio and coming out of it man i just i'm not really a fan for a lot of reasons i do think on the positive side it's beautifully animated this movie is gorgeous to me it looks incredible every like that was that was part of this is one of my favorite parts about the movie literally just how it looked yeah like the art the art team the that whole team murdered this they movie. Beasted. They, they really beasted this yeah. movie. The animators, the the drawers, the storyboarders, everybody, Everything. all parties involved, art-wise, was really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I could never I could never fault them for that. They definitely put the time and effort into making this look just absolutely astounding, especially on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, I think also the voice acting is really good. Like, oh, always. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about like characters and stuff like that, but I think in general, the cast, like, all of them yeah. are great. It's already a good cast. Yeah, yeah, and, like, what they bring to the roles. Like, they obviously know these characters by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, you know, still impressed by, by by that stuff. Like, these are all really professional, you know, actors, and they clearly have chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, a new addition like Sterling K. Brown, like I mentioned, like, a really pleasant addition. Like, yeah. I think the voice acting across the board, which you can come to expect from Disney, is really, really good. Right. On the not-so-good side, though, what I will say, I think ultimately, like, for me, the story, and we'll talk more in depth, of course. Oh, I'm but, about to go in on this thing. <laughs> um, but the story is just not, it's just, like, it really tries to be interesting. And yeah. I think it will be interesting for certain people. But for me, it just didn't do it because I think on one end, it feels it feels really disconnected from the first movie. Yeah. Just in terms of where they went with the characters, yeah. right? And that was jarring for me because I was sitting there like, oh, I didn't expect this. And... I don't know if I really like it or not. And then two, I don't. I also don't think it's the easiest story to follow. Like even mm-hmm. as like a yeah grown man no. watching this movie, mm-hmm. there were several times where I'm watching like, but wait, like wh- what? Like I don't, yeah, what I don't really, going yeah, on like I don't really here? understand what we're uncovering, and then mm-hmm. eventually we get there. But it's not the easiest story to follow. So as an adult watching it. I can't even imagine how it would be for a child, which clearly this movie is targeted for. It's yeah. targeted for children. How many times is like a little boy or a little girl going to look at their parents like, what's happening? <laughs> like, what's going on? What like, is going on? I wouldn't even know how to explain that to my child I, if I took him to see it, right? I mean, yeah. Um, so that, and then I think also like a few of the characters didn't really have much to do in the movie. Like they were just kind of there along for the adventure. Yeah. And then there were just... There were a couple of really dumb decisions and just really inexplicable things that happened mm-hmm. where I just left the theater like, I, I don't understand why this is a thing, right? Yeah. I so, think yeah. What, what I do admire about this movie is the risk that it took, right? Like, Tried to I understand that. that Disney was in the boardroom, right? And they were trying to storyboard this movie and they were like, y'all, let's try to do something different. Yeah. But they just didn't succeed in any of them. Nah, <laughs> like nah. they didn't succeed in any of these risks too well. Yeah, like the the the, the thought process, the planning, all of that. Yeah, like was I, clearly get, there. I get it. Yeah, but they the just, execution. Yeah, they, it wasn't there. Was not it. But again, um, I, I do I admire the risk. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, there's a lot of themes. Like we talk about, you know, sort of themes of movies. Like this this movie again, it's different from the first one in the sense that obviously we focus on Anna and Elsa again, but it's really focusing on their past where they come from, their family, secrets, lies, things that are, you know, uncovered and hidden truths and all of these different things like that. But 
we 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 just gotta I think to really sort of break this movie down, we gotta get into some of the plot elements of the movie. If you have not seen Frozen Two, you may consider this to be spoiler alert. A y'all. little bit spoiler. This is about to be a lot of spoiler. So I have a lot to say. Definitely, <laughs> if you've not seen Frozen Two, pause this. Go watch the movie, then come back and tune into the podcast and listen to our thoughts. So with that said, let's get into the spoiler section of Frozen 2. Yeah. So let's let's really talk about what this movie is even about, right? We have Anna and Elsa, who are, I don't even know what to call it, and they're, they're new state, right? Yeah. Elsa has become the queen of, um, what, what's the name of Arendelle? it? Arendelle. Yeah. And... That's really it. Everyone's happy. There's really not too much going on. At nighttime, they play charades. (laughs) It's all normal and fine. We're playing charades. In like the 1840s or something crazy. Let's pop out Jenga next. Let's just do that, right? Like, why not? Did they really have charades in 1840? Who knows? Probably not. Whatever. But everyone's having a good time. And there was the story that their, um, their father told them they were little, right? Of him going to a forest with his father and... All hell breaks loose in this forest. It's right. a magical forest, and the forest uh, in the forest lives the people called the Nothodra tribe, right? Right. And they, I guess, live in peace at this time. I'm things assuming. Were fine. Yeah. Back in the day, things were fine, and something happens. Nobody knows what happens, but one of the between the their father's army. And the Nathalja tribe, people just start fighting. Yeah. Like, you turn around, and there's, there's a shield in the hand. This is where I get lost. They, like, they skip, right? like, I swear they skip, like, five minutes. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> something happened that caused this to, to go down like yeah. this, right? But I don't I don't know what it was. Yeah, there's, like, like this flashback where their father's, like, 15. Yeah. And he just turns around, and everyone's fighting. <laughs> that, it was just actually throwing crazy. hands for no just reason. throwing hands. Yeah. Um, again, super spoiler, right? What happens was the grandfather, uh, the, gra- the grandfather... Attempted to build a dam for the Nathaldra people as a sign of peace, I guess it was. I think so. were, he was yeah. trying to help them out, yeah, but really yeah. it was the complete opposite, right? right? And when the Nathaldra tribe leader found out uh, his ill intent, the grandfather killed him in cold blood. And the and the, every all hell breaks loose. Just went crazy. When all hell breaks loose, this enchanted magical forest shuts everything down. Mm-hmm. Nobody can get out, nobody can get in. And that's really where we come at the beginning of um, this frozen uh, point in time, the present. Right. Right. Again, like 1860s, 50s, wherever this is or whatever time this is. So Anna and Elsa are now in this state where they're trying to figure out why the forest is so mad. Right. The forest is like doing weird stuff to Arendelle and it's like stuff is on fire. There's wind and all this stuff is happening. So what's going on? Right. During Anna and Elsa's. I guess, journey to the forest. They find the, the Nathaldra people, right? And Which was like, I, I, how did they just run into them like that? I was also kind of confused. Like, have they always been there, I suppose? Yeah, you know, like, I guess. You know, how, how, how long has this sort of been a thing? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's, it's taking place over, like, the lifespan, I guess, of Anna and Elsa from when they were younger to when they've, you know, obviously gotten older. But that was kind of confusing for me. I don't know. Right. It was weird. So another one of the, the plot twists here, randomly, they find out that they're half Nathaldrin. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. So their identity is all of a sudden so different. So how in the world did this not come up before now? No. The mama just didn't say nothing? And, you know, that's that's also <laughs> a thing. Like, you, you know, I've seen, like, a few people say, like, well, yeah, you know, everybody's families has secrets and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. nobody... Nobody knows everything about, like, your family and stuff like that. But it's just also, like, man, come on. Like, 
this is a movie, right? Like, are they really <laughs> are they really doing that? Like, are you really trying to justify like why this didn't wasn't a thing? This wasn't a thing in the first one, I think, for various obvious reasons because mm-hmm. they didn't plan for it to be. They and didn't all plan of a, for it And all of a sudden, it's like let's make this movie and figure out how to fit it into the mythology we've already built, right? And exactly. That can sometimes end up slop- sloppy. Yeah. And so, just to make this clear, Anna and Elsa found out that when their when their dad was. 15, 16, 15, 16, in this forest, an exact same day where all hell breaks loose, it turns out that this lady saves this lady saves their father, and the, the lady turned out to be their mom, who is, I guess, 100% the Thuldren, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and so, again, simple. This is Disney trying to force their way into inclusion. Yep. So trying there was- to make a seat at the table. Oh, my God. Like, there was a small controversy, right? I'm, I'm not even sure you can call it controversy. Where in the first Frozen, a lot of people were like, "This movie is way too white." Yep. People, Which yes, it, yeah, it mo- was. movie's hella white, yeah, right? Like, like Elsa's skin looks like actual <laughs> snow, which is, I mean, I guess it's supposed to. I get that, like a Scandinavian, yeah. Norwegian, whatever you know. So, yeah. in, in fact, that's what people were defending, saying that Frozen seems to be set in like the 1840s, right? Um, and that is based off the city on Arendal. Like uh, in Norway, right? okay. Blah, blah. So mm-hmm. you know, real sort of settings and things like that. Right. And people are like, uh, it's not necessarily all white, man, because Norway, or you know what I mean, whatever. Yeah. But come on, look at these characters. They white as hell. No, it's clear. It's, it's, it's clear they white clear, as hell, right? Like. So, this is where my problem with the movie comes in, right? Is that Disney's attempt to try to save these like, all too whiteness of a movie, right? With the the implementation and introduction of indigenous. People like right. all of a sudden they're half, yeah, of this this tribe, of, this indigenous tribe, of like this indigenous yeah, tribe. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, and although I believe like this is like tied to the indigenous people, blah blah blah, Scandinavia, northwestern Russia, right? To I think since Disney or Frozen is in uh, you know an, an American company, I would rather clearly tie this to the people that hit closer to home, right? Mm. Since this is an American film, mm-hmm. uh, the obvious Native Americans, right, right, right. So to start off, is is it's really worth noting that these people that the Nothodra right are modeled after the Sami, which is the name of the people right from Scandinavia, and they were actually contacted by Disney, right, mm-hmm. to somewhat get permission about this story. And the the consensus or what what we heard is that they were okay with it, right? Mm, so they almost, in a sense, consulted on the movie. They, is, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things I read too that they were involved in, sort of um, just informing Disney and the filmmakers behind the movie that yeah. you know this is these are some of the things about our culture. You know, I think I think somebody even helped like write lyrics to mm-hmm. like music and things like that. I so they it. were they were relatively involved in the process of like bringing their their specific tribe to the movie. Yeah. But it I guess if the in the connection to America's own history, right? With the natives, if they had asked Native Americans, I'm not sure they would have agreed to almost any of this movie. Oh, probably not. Which especially is, considering the history right. of how Disney has portrayed Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again you have this controversy again where Frozen is too white, right? Frozen 2 literally goes out of his way to make a point to make these seemingly white characters half native. Red flag number one. This has <laughs> happened several times in real life, right? Where someone who is clearly Caucasian randomly announces or found out that they were one in 30 seconds Native yeah. American, and now all of a sudden they're seeking this validation or something that completely diminishes the pure Native experience that doesn't pertain to their own white passing nature. 
I'm three percent this, y'all. Like, and I have then they're like, and then they be trying to show up to all these places. Yeah, look at just looking white as hell. Yeah, and they and these characters are clearly white to be from the beginning, right? Anna and Elsa, right? So don't like randomly make them half native now because you're like trying to fix what you did no that's that's not how this narrative should go yeah which i i also you know i think too like we there could also be introduced this whole concept of like white passing like they Mm -hmm. might be this but they could be white passing and i'm just i'm just here to say y'all this is this is a movie made by a major corporation (laughs) they were not when they made frozen one yeah they didn't create these characters with the intention of saying like we're gonna make them look white but we actually know that they actually have ties. <laughs> There's no to, way. That's not, no, I'm sorry. This is clearly a response to the controversy that you, you know, pointed out. Mm-hmm. This is clearly a response to that controversy that they got in the first movie for, you know, sort of whitewashing, you know, this culture, this experience, and just, you know, really being homogeneous and just like mm-hmm. the representation where it's nothing but white characters, right? right? And so this is clearly, I think, a response to that, albeit an educated response, like they got, help and consultants to right. do it but does that make it okay did they mm-hmm. did they do it from a genuine place again it, it just doesn't you can i understand making a movie and asking those specific native people but in this context this is an american movie yeah it's going to connect back to native americans exactly. it's literally simple as that right yeah so my second red flag is just the situation in itself of the movie right i don't like the idea of teaching kids specifically these white kids watching the movie right or you never know there's probably young native american kids who were like very possible yeah confused right now right yeah that all of the commotion was stirred up by one person because of a misunderstanding (laughs) like imagine yeah i mean i just don't want people to learn how to like how to teach I, i just want people to teach kids the real yeah teach them the real but you can do it in a lighter slightly more sensitive way right but i need them to i need them to know like anna and elsa's grandfather is probably similar to Christopher Columbus. Oh like, yeah, hundred percent. Like right? he got to some native land, destroyed, raped, and pillaged in the process of taking something that wasn't theirs. Yep, that wasn't his. Right. Teach kids that this was not only one person, right, but a collective decision pr- to ruin lives as means to colonization. Like, like don't soften it. This is not. No, they need to know col- what happened. Colonization is not a a, a cute, sexy. Uh, easygoing process like people people have died many right. many people have died due to that fact right and so mm-hmm. just the way like you I mean it's 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 almost misleading right? right to to young children who might watch this movie and they may they may end up connecting those themes like you know colonization and what it means to be like native to a land they mm-hmm. might connect those themes when they get older and then they find out like Ah, this isn't really how it goes. Like it's not, it's not this, it's not this sweet. What it actually happens in real life, right? Right. All right. My last red flag, and I'll get off my soapbox. One more is that this whole movie is really about reparations, right? <laughs> this like the whole, the whole entire movie is like which what? <laughs> it's like really about reparations. Disney like how can about Disney talking about reparations? Like how can Elsa be this bridge right between two people? She's half. Um, I don't know what they're called. Arendellians? Arendellians, yeah. Half Arendellians, half Nordra. Dang, these are hard to say. Nordra. We we apologize for (laughs) this. They're so hard to say. Yeah, we apologize. (sighs) And seeing as how recently we've been talking about um, African descendants of slavery, right? Uh, And and even more historically, Native Americans um, receiving reparations, right? This movie just seemed to do a weird job of making an argument of why these matters are important. Mm. Like, 
if you're gonna tackle it, tackle it right. Yeah, and they definitely didn't tackle it right. So like Elsa again serves as the this holder for reparations in the movie, right? Where she wants to destroy the dam, which will save the Nothodrian forest, right? But it will also destroy Arendelle. Can we? Can we wait, can we? Yeah. Can we really talk about that? Yeah. That <laughs> that decision in the movie has to be the most boneheaded scatterbrain decision i've seen in quite a while yeah which she makes this she makes this decision on her own basically she consults nobody how would you, why would you not consult anybody? anybody right which this is going to affect a lot of people this is going to affect oh, your home this goodness. is going to affect other people's homes P- potentially thousands of people are going to be affected by this it's seemingly a catastrophic decision right and also when she <laughs> When she destroys this dam, mm-hmm. she had no idea yep. that Elsa was going to save the day. Oh, no. She was just like, out, right? well, there goes Arendelle. Like, here, here we go. Let's just do it. We'll <laughs> see what happens, we'll, right? YOLO. I just was like, wait a second. How does that make any sense, right? Like, <laughs> it just, it, it again, boneheaded decision. I don't see the logic behind it. It mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. And I was really frustrated after that happened. Oh, my God. So, again, in the end... She ends up freezing the water, right? Before it even reaches Arendelle. Isn't that what happens? Yeah. She, and Basically, yeah. She stops and it and freezes it. Doesn't that sound simple? <laughs> Does reparations sound that simple to you? It never has been and oh it never God. will be. So reparations, in my interpretation, right, says that we should be willing to dismantle all systems and institutions to correct historical atrocities, right? And that is not what this movie does. Say that. Man. Instead, they find a way to make it feel simple and that it could be harmful towards the progression of actual justice. Like, right. we are really doing these reparation things in real life. We're attempting to anyways, right? Like, we're talking about There's it. There's real work being done. There's right? real work being done. Yeah. And I think... On a base level with no context, this movie might be okay to kids, right? But there's just so much that may be in between. I don't know if it's in between the lines, but the the basis, the themes of this movie, they tried to tackle it. Yeah. And they did not it do just, it correctly. It didn't really do it, right? And I guess a part of me can appreciate that they tried to translate these really real complex topics into a movie that is digestible for all audiences mm-hmm. however i just think it's i think you 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 almost box yourself into a corner by doing so because these topics are not simple they're mm-hmm. not easy they are very hard and complex situations and to yeah. to sort of you know boil it down into a sort of family fun adventure where um the repercussions are really not all they're not they're not that significant in the movie right i i just don't think it was the right tone to go after for this specific movie yeah the effort again i think the effort the the research the thought process behind it yeah i think it comes from somewhat of a genuine place no for sure somewhat of a genuine place and i appreciate the fact that they reached out to you know the indigenous tribe of that land and mm-hmm. guide consultation and all of these different things like they did the homework right mm-hmm. um however it just all felt so contrived to me yeah. and it felt like it abandoned what the initial movie was trying to be you know mm-hmm. in terms of these characters and where they were trying to go and they purely made this as a reaction to the harsh criticism that they i think that they rightfully got yeah. right and mm-hmm. 
sure, correct your mistakes and, you know, course correct and but, do those things, but you got to be responsible yeah, you gotta, and, and be real. You got to do it right. Yeah. yeah. You got to put 100% in it. And exactly. I feel like they were just like, let's ignore the experience of, you know, Native Americans, indigenous people, and let's just go this route. And yeah. it just, it wasn't the route. But yeah. that being said, I, um, on a simpler level, um, the music really wasn't all that amazing to me. There were. <sighs> I actually did love the comedy in this movie, though. Um, Very good comedic elements. It, it yeah. was, yeah. I was, I was rolling. You I mean, heard Josh, me over Josh there. Gad. Uh, this guy, this uh, dude is so he, he was funny. funny. The one-liners, the stories he was telling. Oh, and then Kristoff's uh, song. Oh, my Christoph's God. song is so funny. I'm not even sure kids will even get that at all. They probably won't get it. But it's, it's, it's a little bit before their time, like kids today, but it, it's funny. It's <laughs> it hilarious. Is, it is pretty great. Yeah. And like you said, Olaf just steals a show. Um Maybe my knowledge or perception of the story of this movie like doesn't allow me to enjoy it too much, like to understand the seventy five percent. You know, it has a Rotten Tomatoes, but again, maybe no context. I would enjoy it more. But again, uh, Olaf still the show, um, and the beauty of the movie are things that I can still point out. Yeah, I'll, the one last thing I'll say that I uh, again I did not like about this movie. Um, there's no true villain in it. I think no traditional oh, villain. Yeah. I would say. And for me, I'm sorry, when I go see a Disney movie... There's a villain. As iconic as Disney villains are and how they have been for all of history, all of Disney history, like... I want a villain, man. Mm-hmm. Like, just straight up. I just want a villain. Like, no, I agree with I that. I think they tried to paint the circumstances and, like, the secret history is, like, being the antagonist of the movie. Yeah. Um, nah. That's not what I want. I'm sorry. That's just yeah. not what I'm looking for when I go see a Disney movie, right? Like, I need... Mm-hmm. I need... But, and you know, the thing is, I think... I think more of their movies have been doing that lately, and it's interesting to me mm-hmm. because Wreck-It Ralph 2, which mm-hmm. was the most recent animated movie to come out of um, Walt Disney Animation Studios, didn't really have a villain. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it was their friendship, you know, between, like, that was sort of like the circumstantial villain, the antagonist of the movie. There was no real villain, so I'm wondering if that's, like, something that they're more interested in now, which... I don't know. I think it can. They just got to do it right. Yeah, I think they just did so much wrong in this movie that maybe it didn't come out right. Right. But again, I, I think I do kind of like that idea. If they, just, I think they just got to execute it correctly. And that's, that's what it's all about. It just wasn't it. Yeah. Well, we said a lot about Frozen two. Sorry. Um, it's obviously doing incredible business. I'm sure yeah. many of you will go see it to to form your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. When you do see Frozen two, man, hit us up, please. Really want to hear your thoughts and opinion about this movie on social. At Two Black Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be continuing the conversation, of course. Tell us if you liked it, if you didn't like it. What are your thoughts on all the themes that the movie hits on and just how they uh, how they decided to portray um, different peoples and different subject matter uh, in Frozen 2. So that's that on that, man. That's that on that. With that said, we will move on to our final main topic for this episode of Two Black Nerds. I don't know if I'm going to feel any better after this conversation either. Nope. Um, <laughs> so last week... We officially saw the latest Grammy nominations for the 2020 award show. Um, and uh, interesting is an understatement for, I think, the the categories and mm-hmm. who was nominated this year. You know, I, from what I saw, I, I can speak for myself personally. Like, 2019 was not this big, like, revolutionary year in music. Nope. It's nope. been a very, uh, I think, slow year yep. overall. Not that much has come out. There have been some breakouts, of course, like younger artists, um, but to see the Grammy nominations come out last week mm-hmm. and to see it on paper, I think that just made me realize, like, oh, man, 
this year has been different. Like, it hasn't been that many heavy hitters this year. Right. And I think one of the interesting things, like, just doing a little bit of research about the nominations this year, um, there are barely any nominations for artists who are over the age of 40. That's which, crazy. traditionally, if you ever follow the Grammy nominations, for the most part, they typically nominate a lot of artists that are over 40, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They've actually, you know, received a lot of criticism for not being young enough. Like yeah. the Grammy Committee, the Recording Academy, they often pick people who are not reflective of what the current generation is listening to. However, you fast forward to this year, it's a big pivot. It's a big pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so much of a pivot that every album of the year nominee is under the age of 40, um, wow. which... I don't know if that's ever happened or the last time that that's happened. Yeah, I'm sure there's some his- history in there. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. A couple of other um, sort of things to point out. Women definitely dominate the field this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of nominations for women. Yeah. Um, and at the top of the heap is Lizzo. She got the most nominations of any she artist. Went crazy. With eight, right? Yeah, she went uh, crazy. So that was that was crazy. But we should really talk about, I think, some of the snubs, which has been a big topic of conversation over the past week since the nominee nominations have come out. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the snubs, some of the things that kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. What should be nominated, what shouldn't be nominated, EPs versus albums, all that good stuff, man. Um, I'm just, you know, interested to hear your thoughts and perspective when you when you read the list of nominations and they came out. What what did you think about this year's uh Grammy nominations? Man, you know me. I f- first I questioned, did these people even listen to music this year? Like <laughs> They even have they Spotify on, it, and there's just so much that doesn't make sense about this list yeah. that you know I was ranting on Twitter. I was like, "What is actually going on here?" Like, for example, just off tops, right? Can we talk about Lil Nas X? See this? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, go go into it. This is interesting. So, Lil Nas X was nominated for Album of the Year, the biggest award of the night, the most prestigious award of the night for an EP. <laughs> Y'all should see him right now. He's he's he's, he's kind of upset, man. What? what? I, this isn't like coloring book right. or like you know what I mean. Something that actually transcended something. This is. 7 EP y'all if you listen to 7 EP by Lil Nas X it's like 15 minutes like it's super short <laughs> it's, it's super short. short like it is mad short I oh, remember the days where I think to be nominated like your album had to be at least like like 28 minutes probably. long or 30 minutes yeah, long something something, like, something that. like that and this is well below that I'm not I, clearly it's still not a rule because he was nominated but it's just Again, just such a big pivot. Make it make sense. There's like, so the the extra reason why this pisses me off. So, of course, me personally, Igor went crazy this year, right? Oh, my Tyler, goodness. We, we both are very big fans of Igor, Tyler, the Creator in general, Man. right? So, Tyler, the Creator was nominated for Best Rap Album. Yep. Which, again, it's at least 10 tracks. Some make of the tracks are long. It's a, it's a long enough album. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Rap Album of the Year, but but not album of the year. Yeah. And, How? And the rap album that was nominated is technically an EP, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and make it make sense. Well, I mean, let's not also forget, that was Tyler's only nomination. Only nomination. Best rap album. And I don't know about y'all. I think I'm at the point that I'm comfortable enough to say that personally, yeah. I think Igor is Tyler's best work thus far. It is my favorite album of his, and I know there, um, there's a huge Flower Boy contention out there. I'm still struggling with it. Which I love that. I'm right? still struggling with it, yeah. But I think the artistry level of Igor, yeah, man, you're right. he graduates to another level, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he got one nomination in the hip-hop category, which, okay, if you want to box him in, Grammy, 
committee, sure, yeah. whatever. But he himself does not even consider this a hip hop record, right? Right. This is him fully embracing his sense of artistry and what mm-hmm. that looks like. And it's incorporating many different genres think, of music. I think that's speaking to the problem with the Grammys nowadays, where we need more categories. Yeah. I, I, I actually would put it in hip hop, but what's weird here is that the category is rap. Yeah. That's what's weird to that's me. That's the thing, r- r- yeah. rap. Yeah. I would put it yeah. in the hip hop category, yeah. but it's just like rap album of the year. That's where it gets, that's where it gets a little tricky, right? It's crazy, man. And so. it, and, to think, y'all think about this. Earthquake. I know if y'all heard this song, Earthquake. <laughs> so how was Earthquake not in record of the year contention? Oh my god, Earthquake slaps so hard. That song hard. is crazy. That bro. Earthquake slaps that so song much, is man. Crazy. It's a brilliant track, right? Come on. Yeah, I don't know how it's not nominated for record the record of the year or you know best. I don't know something else, right? Like right. just man, it's really it's really upsetting because I think Tyler is just. He's he's on such another level at this point in his career, yeah. and to not see him get that recognition, and you know, not really receive the the honor of getting more than just one nomination, it mm-hmm. bothers me. You know, and I know it bothered him. Like if you just go on his Twitter, you can see like he was not happy. Clearly, like he was kind of weirded out by it because it's very weird that he just got yeah, he was like, damn near got ignored completely. Album of the year, come on. Yeah, but what what's also confusing about these nominations? I'm going back to Lizzo for a little bit, right? So if you have, if you listen to Lizzo's album. It's not R&B, y'all. No. It's a clear pop. No, it's pure pop album. This is a pop album. She does, of course, maybe a little singing, rapping here and there. But it's like clearly a pop album. Like you would put this in any other, you know, pop album. I don't know how else to explain that. And what's weird is what three days before these nominations came out was the Soul Train Awards. Yeah. And Ari Lennox was up against Lizzo for Soul album. S-O-U-L, y'all. Soul Soul album of the year. She lost to Lizzo. Yeah, for this pop album, and was pissed. Ari, Ari Lennox was going absolutely. She was pissed. She was pretty mad. Yeah, and I get it though because again, this is where categories are being confused, or I don't know what's happening, right? Or if like people are not hearing the same things we hear. Yeah, like if you listen to Lizzo's album, somebody from nineteen late nineties, right, would be like, "No, this is a pop album, easy." Of course, and it's really not hard to to recognize versus Ari Lennox, right? And I think this might be one of the early snubs here in the Grammys as well. Where's Ari Lennox on the list? Yeah, nowhere to be found. If right? she was in contention for Soul Album and the Soul Train Awards, why doesn't the Grammys, you know, see the same at least nomination? Yeah. Versus, yeah. At least R and B, right? At right? least R and B. It's a, it's a, it's confusion for sure. You know, to see her, and I mean, you know, to your point, mm-hmm. Lizzo is she also has R and B nominations here. She's nominated for certain R&B awards. Yeah, um, like Best R&B Performance with Gucci. You know, so I'm just like... But she's not nominated for Best R&B Album. Yeah, so it's like, where's the consistency? What is going on? How does that add up? I mean, yeah. that's confusing. I mean, I do want to point out, for sure, the one thing... Again, I was not as in tune with music this year as I have been in past years, just because I don't... I don't know. A lot of projects that dropped this year didn't appeal to me. But the one thing I did notice is the clear omission um, and disregard for female rappers this year. And I, I actually have a, a theory about that. Mm-hmm. I really do think it was the, maybe this mixtape thing, right? Where like Megan Thee Stallion's official album is coming out next year. But it's weird because they recognize seven EP. Yeah, That's what pisses that me off. EP. I and feel like if they didn't recognize that, then 
we wouldn't have to, you know. Like, and Coloring Book was yesterday. Like, yeah. come on. They recognize Coloring Book. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's clearly political. You know what I'm saying? Like, you it's talk so about weird. Megan Thee Stallion. Who had, who, rapper of the year. Had one of the hottest years. R- rapper of the year. Of anybody, the right? Only, yeah, rapper and of the year. And gets no recognition. Even even if you don't recognize the mixtape, the project, she's been on other songs, Yo, right? She's she's had tracks. She's not that can get recognition. She's not even in contention for best new artist. No, exactly. And if you ask anybody who listens to hip hop, she had the best year. No, not, undoubtedly, she didn't get anything. The baby, the baby didn't get nothing. How the baby is not in contention for best new artist? And he released two albums, two whole yeah, he albums, released two albums this year, and didn't get any nominations. I mean, like. Um, any 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 you know significant nominations? Make think, it I, make sense. Yeah, I think he was like featured on something, but I mean, Megan Thee Stallion, Rico Nasty, got nothing. Rhapsody, got nothing. Okay, y'all, like, y'all. <laughs> we could just Rhapsody. <laughs> all right, y'all. Rhapsody, actually, is hard. Rhapsody is actually. So I know we were talking about Igor earlier. I think Rhapsody might be my. Um, I'm most angry about that more than anything. Mainly because <laughs> at least Tyler's on the list, right? <laughs> at least like, he's there, right? At least Tyler's he on got the list. one thing. He got one thing. Rhapsody's album Eve ignored man y'all don't ignored. even understand that's really crazy it like blows my mind yeah. this is this is if, she's phenomenal if we're talking that, about actual right? rap category yes Igor maybe to me is best hip-hop album of the year this is the best rap album of the year yeah. Rhapsody yeah. Eve went crazy y'all she went wild on each and every track they all have good content there's good lyricism the beats are crazy I just don't even the I musicality even, of the whole project I can't even fathom this they didn't listen to music this year, bro. They this, did. They but and you know again, you know the, the the political sort of BS that goes behind this and who gets recognized and who gets the attention, man. I mean, like an artist like Rhapsody, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at like prior but years, but she, how much has she been present? In, she in, was nominated yeah. for Layla's Wisdom, her last album. Okay, which I mean, is like yeah, and Layla, Layla's was Wisdom was crazy, but this album yeah. was crazy too. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, what are y'all doing? The consistency, is and they not do there, this right? thing where they can only nominate five albums, but it's like. But you have, I think, what eight album of the year nominations? Like that, that, that category is spread out. They right? just spread out all the other album categories. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, it's like if you're gonna have categories and mm-hmm. like specific genres for each category, like I don't know, just be consistent, like you said, like either abide by what that category is like largely defined as, yeah. or change the name, do something, do something else because there's a lot of confusion. Like we pointed out, Lizzo being in you know pop and R and B categories yeah. and. I, you know, I don't know, man. It's just like it's really it's strange. Time. It's I even, time for a new category. I even think like, um, what was it? Beyonce. I think mm-hmm. the uh, the gift, the Lion King. Yeah. I, I think that was in a pop category too. Which I think I get that. You I think th- really? Yeah, only because. Man, um, I don't know. I think she had a lot of Afrobeats in there. Actually, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like the international vibe of the international I, I would, vibe. I wouldn't classify that as pop. Yeah, best pop vocal album is what she's nominated for. Uh, I, I don't best know. Best pop solo performance. See, I I don't know. Maybe maybe they have their own definition that 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 can make it make sense. But I don't know. There's such an international vibe right. with that album, yeah, I don't, and I don't know if they have a category to reflect right, that. But that doesn't yeah. make sense to me, right? Yeah, it's like it's confusing. Actually insane. So why in the hell is LMA in this contention for best R&B album? I'm sorry, y'all. I do. I love LMA. Oh wait, is she really? I've been an Thanks. LMA fan for a little bit for actually for a long time, more than a lot of people I can say. This album is not best R&B album material. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I can, I can actually name probably like seven better albums that should be on this list yeah. than LMA's album, self-titled album. And 
I just don't understand y'all. If y'all really want to know what one another album that needs to be on here, Jamila Woods Legacy Legacy. Go listen to it. It should it needs to be on here. It doesn't make any sense why this is on here. I know some people like miss the the cutoff. Like I love Doja Cat's album. Oh right, right, right. And like I think it barely missed the cutoff, yeah. which is we'll, we'll talk about it next year. Yeah. And I think it's cool. Their deadlines are crazy early. It's like September. Like it's the I will say now. one category they got right was the best urban contemporary album. Okay. Which, do you know why this pisses me off? Because Lizzo's in this category, too. Why is Lizzo... Hold on, she's an urban contemporary? Lizzo is in the urb- best urban contemporary album. Because I love you, Lizzo. So, you know what? Here, here, so, here's the thing. You know, uh, before, I think this would be the last thing I say about this, because the more you mention, the more I get angry myself. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the... F- like, what were y'all doing? Why is she getting here? But, you know, they're clearly, they're clearly gearing towards... So I think a lot of this is reactionary, right? Mm-hmm. The Grammys last year, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, had the lowest ratings for the show in sure. like in like decades, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just becoming a less and less popular show each and every year. Not that many people are tuning into it as as much as they used to. And I just find the show to not be that great of a production overall. Like when I watch it, um, and I haven't watched the Grammys in full in probably like four or five years, mm-hmm. but when I do watch it, I find myself just confused it's jarring to go between like the different genres like one moment we're doing country the next moment we're doing yeah you know hip-hop it's just mm-hmm. like you know so i think a lot of this is a reaction to wanting to gear towards the current generation of young youthful music listeners and what they're tuning yeah. tuning into like mm-hmm. If you showed me this like on paper without mm-hmm. the name attached to it i would say that like i would think this is like the VM, VMAs or like mm, the mm. American Music Awards. Like, I would think that this is leaning more towards that. If you were to tell me that this is the Grammys, I would be like, are you sure? Like, right. it doesn't look like the Grammy right. nominations that I'm used to seeing. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it's 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 wildly different. And I think because of that, it certainly left a lot of people out of contention that sh- should certainly which get some is, recognition. Which is interesting because it also included some people. I'm like... Y'all really recognize them? Yeah. Like in this best urban contemporary section, right? Steve Lacey, NAO, and Jesse Reyes. That's really that surprising. Is huge yeah. to yeah. me. Those are three artists I love. They typically would not. They wouldn't typically would have never even year. looked in their direction. Yeah, yeah. And it's what's one more thing that's really weird. So we talked about best R and B album, right? Her Oh yeah, yeah. Is in the best album section, but she's not in the best R and B section. section. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's so many disconnects that just don't make they any don't add sense up. to me. Yeah. Is it is it like you didn't want her to contend for this, but you wanted her to contend for that? Right. Or like why isn't she in both, right? That's yeah. kinda how like that's how the Oscars work. Exactly. <laughs> like everything in the category at the top it's is gonna, gonna be nominated. Yeah. 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 It's just I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, man. Wow. Well, Grammys. We'll see uh, how this show shapes up in February. Is when I think it airs. It'll yeah. be it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I probably um, will watch it. Yeah. Um, just to see, and just just to just to uh, clarify, I I I do appreciate Lizzo. Yeah. I like Lizzo. She's just winning things. She don't need. To, she's just in categories she's not supposed to be in. Right. Exactly. And I believe she has dominated the space that she's in. Yeah. But people keep putting her in the wrong spaces. Yeah. And yeah. it's not fair to a lot of other. Um, people out there making music in their their own territory. That's it. Woo! Boy, oh boy. Well, there's a <laughs> lot to talk about with that. Hit us up, man. Let us know what you think about these Grammy nominations. Uh, did you make your own list? Do you have your own people that you think got snubbed that should have been nominated in, in these different categories? We'd love to continue the conversation and hear what you have to say about this year's Grammy nominations, man. 
Wow. Well, we we had a lot to say this week. A lot of a lot of really passionate topics, I would say, yeah. about the the movies and the the different pop culture and fandom topics that we're tuned into. But as always, man, we really appreciate your support. I think that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Two Black Nerds. As always, man, we're gonna be back here each and every week to rock with you all. We want to thank you again for supporting us. Whether it's following us on social media, leaving us a rating, hitting, hitting, hitting us up individually to just let us know what you think about the show. As always, man, we really appreciate all of that feedback, all of that love and support, man. As always, follow us on social at Two Black Nerds. Hit that subscribe button wherever yes, you get yes. your podcast. Leave us a really friendly rating and comment if you choose to. That'll help us out a lot. And just keep tuning in, man. We got a lot coming your way. As we mentioned in previous episodes, a lot, 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 a lot, lot. of lists upcoming. If you're not tuned in, just be ready. We got the top 10 best and worst comic book movies of 2019 coming out. Um, no, excuse me. Actually, the top 10 best and worst of the decade. Of the decade. Yeah, I got to get this right because we got decade. We got the year. We got to mm-hmm. think about all that. So we got the top 10 best and worst comic book movies of the decade coming out, as well as the top 25 best movies of the decade, 2010 to 2019. It's going to be loaded, y'all. We got that coming, coming for y'all real soon. What else we got coming for him, bro? Man, we got the top 25 hip-hop albums of the decade. And we're going to get it right. Top 25 <laughs> R&B albums of the decade. Yeah, we're going to get these Hey, even right. if you disagree, I guarantee you it's a better list. It's going to be a better list. <laughs> uh, better than any nomination list. Top 10 Grammys hip-hop has. of the year. Top 10 in R&B of the year. Um, I think that's it, man. Yeah. I think uh, I mentioned hopefully we can make a quick Christmas list, too. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, we might not have to do a whole episode, but it's cool to, you know, yeah, sure. maybe make a list for them, see what it look like. December 1 is right. It's next. Damn, it's next week. Yeah, bro. That is actually insane. November actually flew by. I don't know where November went. November really flew by. Like, the fact that this is Thanksgiving week is kind of crazy, which that reminds me to everybody listening to this episode. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, please have a blessed and happy please. Thanksgiving this week. Week, man, please, if, please, whether, please. whether you're celebrating with family uh, back at home, whether you're celebrating with another family in another home that's mm-hmm. not yours, or whether you're celebrating with just close friends. And Friendsgiving um, action. Friendsgiving is, is definitely oh, out Oh, I seen there. that idea where somebody was like, everybody bring 20 different flavored wings and let's have Friendsgiving. Genius. Can I go? Right. Like, who, who's doing that? That's where I want to be. I know. Like, on can, Thursday. We, can we just bring wings? Wow. I was like, that sounds amazing. That's to me. crazy. Well, yeah, yeah, certainly just want to wish a happy Thanksgiving out there to you all um, and enjoy the holidays. We will be back next week. And also, if you plan on going Black Friday shopping, have fun, enjoy yeah. that, but be safe out there, y'all. I want an instant pot. Definitely. <laughs> Bro, you that's are. It. That's how I know I'm a grown up. You're showing your age, <laughs> talking about an instant. I want pie. an instant pot. Maybe wow. some, maybe some knives. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a knife set. Knife set. Get a new kitchen set. Pot. Yes. Look, watched is what I'll say is what we are. <laughs> that is what we are. Enjoy your holiday, man. As always, thank you for tuning in to Two Black Nerds. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, just a reminder: Two Black Nerds Movie Club coming up super, super, super soon. Uh, I believe I have uh, a movie um, we're going to watch there. And I think that's it, man. That's uh, all for this week, right? Hey, we appreciate y'all again. This has been Two Black Nerds. We're Too Black. And too Nerdy. And that's it. Peace. My November is right now. I wrote a song about you, I want your opinion Opposite of my heart rate, it slow down at the ending Cause the love that I got for you has exceeded appearance The lyrics are, matter of fact, I'ma just call you so you can hear it If you do answer, I'll play it to state facts Although I already know the response you gon' say back At that point I'll hang up, disappear, and just stay back And if you don't, I'll leave a voicemail with the playback